0: Appreciate you guys being here today. I wish we had a sunroof right here. Hit a button and it would open up. Someday if I become a multi-bazillionaire and we build a church, then I'm going to put it with a sunroof up there so we can, days like this, you know, have some hammocks laid around also. It'd be be really nice and cozy as we study God's Word and worship Him. But we find ourselves in Hebrews 11. We're getting close to the end of the book. Only a Uh, Several more sermons left, and we'll bring ourselves to the end of this. It's been a joyous, joyous journey starting in the book of Hebrews, taking it all the way to completion here. As we do a quick review, uh, just kind of looking at the end of chapter 10 on into chapter 11, what we covered last time we met. Um, We see here in in chapter 10 toward the end, um, there in verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And that introduces this next chapter, which is probably the little subtitle there above chapter 11 in your Bible, says by faith. And this is the heroes of the faith chapter. It's kind of a who's who. It's not exhaustive. Of course, it doesn't list all the heroes of the Bible, but it does list quite a few of the who's who. Many of these we've heard of and know their names from children's churches we grew up. And uh, oftentimes, they're they're not quite uh, preached on quite as much as they used to be, but they're very well taught in Sunday school. But great men and women who by faith were serving God. God had promised them something, and their faith in God caused them to take action. So it's example after example after example. If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, The conviction of things not seen. This hoped for is not a, remember, I wish it will come true. Maybe it'll come true if I cross my fingers and cross my toes, then it will come true. That's not the way the Bible speaks of hope. When the Bible speaks of hope, it is absolutely for certain that this will come true. And that is the type of faith that they exhibited. And it is indeed the kind of faith that we should exhibit as well heaven is real hell is real god is real salvation through jesus christ is absolutely real and these things that build our faith we hope for the future not just a little fantasy not on a whim but is guaranteed to come true because god himself the creator of everything has promised that it will so by faith we live this life uh, verse 2 for by it the people of old receive their commendation So these are the people that we're going to be reading about and that we looked into last week. We also looked last week at chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. If we go back over to verse 3, we see by faith that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And how critical of a point this is. Because if you do deny that God exists, obviously you don't have the right kind of faith that leads to heaven. Uh, You can't, and we covered this last week, the whole Oprah type wheel, the wagon wheel, believe anything you want to, create any God you want. It doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you have faith in general and it'll lead to heaven eventually, no matter what spoke you pick. It's not like that. Every other way is the wrong way, the Bible says. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. He is the only way, and that is the one that we have faith in. So unless we believe, though, there is a God, if we truly think everything was created by accident, and we looked at this a little bit last week, it is taught in our public schools in general that everything was created by a cosmic accident, that somehow everything came from no thing, nothing, nothing, it doesn't make any sense at all. So if everything truly came from nothing and everyone has truly evolved from, from nothing, from a single-celled organism, and our life is equal to the lives of fleas, ticks, and ants, then really nothing matters. How can we expect young people and children in schools to, to live a moral life when what are morals? There's no such thing as morals, right? If that's what they believe, if everything is an accident and that everything was just kind of came about on its own. But no, if you go all the way back to this verse, and to the most hotly debated verse in the Bible, Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, that in the beginning God created, then it changes everything. Then you have a God who spoke and created everything. To Him we owe our very existence. To Him we owe our very allegiance. What, does God has also given us rules to live by? That we should obey these rules, these moral codes? Then yes, we should indeed teach these to our children. We should enforce these. We should live by these. And it changes everything. It changes literally everything. So without that, though, there is no true faith. So the faith starts with the fact that there is a God. All right, let's skip on over to uh, chapter 11, uh, verse 13, very quickly. Just again, part of the review from last week. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. This is extremely important. In this list of who's who that he has listed so far, he lists Abel, he lists Enoch, he lists Abraham here, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah as well, even back to Noah. They received a promise from God that something was going to happen in their lifetime, but the ultimate and supreme promise of the Messiah coming, The Savior coming, this ultimate salvation that would come, did not happen in their lifetime. But by faith, they knew that it would. By faith, they knew that their salvation would come. So they lived their life in such a way that it radically shaped everything because of the future that was coming. And so it should be for us as well. If you truly think that this life is nothing but acquiring the most money, getting the biggest house, getting the best car, getting the promotions at work, getting statuses or, or, or whatever it is that you like in this life, and then that's it. Then it's back to dirt. Then what drives you? Well, money, uh, happiness, right? Popularity, maybe. Uh, being, being the biggest, the best, and having the prettiest things will be the most important thing in life. But if you, like them, here in verse 13, uh, realize that you're a stranger, That you're in exile, that your home is truly still ahead, that you're just a visitor passing through. And a visitor really doesn't need much, right? When you're going for a travel, when you're going for a journey, you don't need all your suitcases. You don't need lots of stuff because you're here for such a short time. It it reshapes everything because you're just passing through. Where are you really trying to get to? That's where you need to build your home. That's where you need to put your stuff, and that's what they were doing. Their faith was in the kingdom to come, and it changed the way they lived their lives, and so it should sure us as well. All right, let's get going then. Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, we picked up, uh, we ended at verse 22. Let's read 23 through 39. If you would follow along with me, I believe it's about 17 verses. Not too much to handle, but we are going to be going through pretty quickly. I'm relying on the fact that many of you know some of these stories and know some of these men and women that we're going to be looking at, so I'm going to kind of go through a little quicker than I usually would. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, I'll begin. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection, some were tortured, refused to accept release, so that they might rise to a better life. Others suffered, mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth, and of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised." It says, God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Let's go back now. Let's begin back at verse 23 and kind of follow through some of this. I know some of you are very familiar with the life of Moses, but we'll begin there. Verse 23, by faith, faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Pause right there just for a moment. We are familiar with this story. Um, by show of hand, how many of you have watched Charleston Heston? Is that his name? Charleston Heston's Moses? Yeah, most everyone. All right. younger ones probably have not. But uh, every time I read the story of Moses, I'm telling you, whatever you watch on TV gets in your head, right? But I can totally picture this, and probably you can as well. But his parents uh, received word. You know, the, the Pharaoh had determined that it was going to be infanticide, that, that every child uh, was to be, be terminated on the spot as they were born. But his parents had faith in God. They trusted God, and they, they build the wicker basket. They, they put their waterproof-type uh, solution there on the bottom of it. They put him in the water, and, and it goes all the way down to the ver- Pharaoh's uh, headquarters, Pharaoh's where, where he is at, where his, his daughter is actually at there in the water. And they receive baby Moses. And there the daughter ends up raising baby Moses. You remember this? And then, and then they even look for someone to take care of the child. And they go get an Israelite woman. And who do they end up getting? They get his very mother to come take care of him. She does not tell them that. But anyway, so Pharaoh is raised up um, and does not die. And is raised right there underneath Pharaoh in Pharaoh's courts. And we have Moses uh, being raised up to be the leader, to be the one who will set Israel free, all right there in Pharaoh's house. But but Moses' parents had faith that God would work this out, and so they, of course, did not kill the child. And the child goes on, of course, we'll see, to become the leader of Israel. Verse 24, about faith Moses when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God Than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Now Moses had everything; what our secular society and their society would say, he had achieved everything. I mean, he had achieved the wealth, he was in a position of authority, he could have anything, anyone he wanted, he had everything. He had riches, he had fame, he had fortune, but here, by faith, he didn't want that. One thing they were missing was the right God, and that that was more important than all the things this world had to offer. Egypt at that time was the most powerful nation in the world. No one could go against uh, Egypt, no one could go against the Pharaoh, and Moses was right there in the castle, right there in the headquarters of the Pharaoh himself, known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But yet he gives it all up, gives this earthly status up for what? To be treated as a slave, to be treated with the people of God because they had the right God. So by faith he turns his back on all the fortune, power, luxury. It's gone because he begins to look forward to the ultimate reward that is greater than anything that you could have here on earth. I mean, think about that. Put yourself in that position, having, having everything. You know, It's kind of like, like Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, I looked and I had everything my eyes desired. There's not one more thing I could acquire that I wanted. And we kind of picture that here with Moses. He had everything that he wanted, yet it was not enough. He realized it was a waste of time. What's it matter if you have everything here, but you die and spend eternity in hell? You die and face the wrath of God. So it was with that he had faith to turn his back on everything. Carry on down to verse, uh, verse 27. And as we get there, let, let me just re- look, let me go back to this. I saw, just saw this. A very interesting point here that I don't want to overlook. Look at verse 26. Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt where he was looking to the reward. Does anyone find anything interesting about this passage? Uh, was Christ? Present there yet? No, you're right. All right. So, so once again, we have, we have Christ. We have Jesus mentioned in the same sentence here as Moses. Moses precedes Jesus by over 1,200 years. But if you look at verse 26, Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Uh, really interesting here. How were people saved? How were people rescued? How were people uh, to be permitted into heaven? Uh, Old Testament saints like these that we are looking at, like Abraham, like Noah, like Moses, like, like Sarah, like these others that are listed And we're going to look into. How were they saved? Well, believe it or not, they're saved the same way we are. Uh, they look to the same one for their salvation that we look to, right? They looked ahead in the future. If, as you read your Bible, you find early in the book of Genesis, almost immediately as, as sin enters into the world, the, God delivers, reveals the very first prophecy that there is going to come one who will conquer uh, Satan. And prophecy begins to snowball. It begins to build. But the people have hope in this one that God is going to send. It is known as He is known as the Christ. Uh, In Hebrew the Messiah and we don't they don't know all the details now we look back So they look forward to the Messiah. We're on this side of it And now we look back to the Messiah, but we still have the very same one who saves Jesus is not a way right. He is the only way for salvation So it was true of them and it's true for us There's only one way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ the Messiah the anointed one of God So even at this time Even though uh, Christ is not walking with Moses, uh, there's been enough revealed by God that they are looking forward to God's ultimate salvation and this ultimate Messiah, this Christ that is to come. And he was so looking forward to that. By faith, he knew this was coming. He was willing to turn his back on all the riches this world had to offer. So very interesting passage here in verse 26. All right, carry on. Verse 27, uh, by faith he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Once again, the power and majesty of a Pharaoh in that time, in that culture is hard for us to fathom at this point. There's no one on earth who has this kind of prestige, this kind of power that a Pharaoh had at that time. A Pharaoh was thought to be deity, thought to be God himself in their cultish religion that they had and that he was over the land. He had all power. He could do all kinds of things. But yet here, by faith, Uh, He leaves Egypt, not being afraid of this earthly king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. This takes faith, right? To go against the very one, riches, glory, fame, fortune, the head of the most powerful nation on earth. He has everything, but he is willing to go against him because of his faith in the one who is invisible. The faith in the one who has created everything. So indeed, it takes a lot of faith to do such a thing. Uh, Verse 28, by faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them we covered this just a couple of weeks ago when we partook of the lord's supper we looked at the origins of the lord's supper and how they go all the way back to the time of the passover feast right Uh, moses said god had told moses originally through the burning bush and then spoke to him other times Said, go tell pharaoh to let my people go he would not do so finally god says all right this is it i'm going to send my wrath amongst the people And unless there's the blood of the lamb on the exterior of the door, the wrath will enter in, and the firstborn child will die. And so by faith, Moses tells all of Israel this, and by faith, they believe this is coming, they know this is coming, God has said it is, they sacrifice the lamb, they put the blood on the outside, and as God's wrath against sin moves through Egypt, it does not go in, right? Why? Because the lamb has been sacrificed, life has already been taken. By faith, that blood is on the door. So by faith, the people obeyed, and they were saved. They were not destroyed because of that. They escaped. And then we looked at the bigger picture, right? How they were released from the bondage of Egypt, how we are released by the blood of the ultimate lamb, and what he did on the wooden cross, were released from the bondage of sin to go on and pursue worship of god so we see within israel kind of a physical manifestation a symbol of ultimately what god does with us all right let's carry on verse 29 by faith the people crossed the red sea the story just continues on if you've seen the charleston heston version of of moses you can picture all this in your head as we're going through the story by faith the people crossed the red sea as on dry land but the egyptians when they attempted to do so were drowned um They had escaped only to run into the Red Sea. If you remember the story that you were taught in Sunday school, if this is familiar to you, as you've read your Bible, uh, Israel had escaped. Egypt told them to go. They were so furious about the loss of their firstborn. Not only did they tell them to go, Right, But they loaded them with all kinds of gold and just said, go. They paid them in the, to leave, just to get away from us. But then Pharaoh changes his mind. So they begin to leave. They get all the way out. Now they're trapped between the Red Sea and the Pharaoh's army is coming. So what are they going to do? Remember this? And then by faith, what happens? You know, God opens up the sea and they walk across. I believe I have this one on the screen. You don't have to look there. But Exodus 14, verse 13 through 14. God said, do not be afraid, as he told the Israelites, this, as they're trapped, water on this side, Pharaoh's massive, most powerful army in the world coming at them on this side. God says, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again, the Lord will fight for you, you need only be still." So God creates this, this massive supernatural barrier between he and his people. Uh, Moses touches the staff there to the sea and it opens up and they are able to walk through. By faith, they are rescued. By faith, they are saved. Carry on down to verse 30. Again, by faith. You see this term used over and over and over and over and over, right? It is by faith, meaning they trust in God fully and infallibly that these things are going to come true. God has spoken, God has said this will happen, it will come true. So they continue to move forward in faith. Uh, By faith, verse 30, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Here, the author of Hebrews skips forward now. Uh, Another 40 years to the first generation has passed away. Now they're being led by Joshua and Caleb. Just brings in another example of faith that God has spoken They are sure that these things will come true, so they act and live by faith, knowing that they will come true. Let me just read this to you, how how ridiculous this sounds to our human eyes and human wisdom about what is going to go down here with Jericho. If you can picture Jericho... It's not a very big city, but it's extremely well fortified. And if you think of the promised land, you kind of picture it almost like a funnel going out. And then here at the very beginning of the promised land is Jericho. And Jericho is a fortified city with huge walls full of soldiers, full of warriors, and they are there to protect. They're they're at the funnel, all right? You cannot get into the promised land. You can't get into Canaan unless you go through Jericho. No one can get through Jericho. Huge walls, warriors everywhere, and this is what God tells them to do. Joshua chapter 6. If you'd like to turn there, you can. I do have this one on the screen as well today. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. It says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. So again, God speaks. He gives, gives this promise. With its king and mighty men of valor, you shall march "...around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do it for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every one straight before him. This is bizarre, right? I mean, this is Jericho. It is known throughout the land. No one can get through Jericho. Armies have come. Armies have tried. They cannot break through the walls. The warriors are in the high position, the position of power to eliminate the soldiers that are down below. And now what is going on? God tells them to just walk around the walls of the city. I mean, who does such a thing, right? And we don't do that on our own unless we by faith. And that's why this makes the by faith chapter. By faith, the walls of Jericho come down because what did they do? They just did it. They did exactly what God told them to do. They walked around the walls once each day. And then on the seventh day, they do it again. They shout and the whole city collapses by faith. That's why it says the walls of Jericho came down. God had promised something would happen, so they they obey God, and they see it come to fruition. They continue on in faith, all right? And again, these stories are, are compelling. They're not supposed to make us go, wow, what an amazing episode that was, and those guys were totally different than us. No, the writer here is saying, this is us. This is who we are as well. God has promised this ultimate salvation, heaven dwelling place of God, and we press on forward with it, it changes everything. It changes the way we live our lives. God never breaks his word. When he says something is going to happen, you move forward with 100% surety that it is going to happen. And that's what we see example after example after example. He continues on. Verse 31, by faith Rahab and the prostitute did not perish uh, with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Here we see Rahab in the city where the walls are about to be come down. Two, two of the spies from Israel go in. They are caught. They are being chased after. Rahab takes them in, gives them shelter, protects them. And we come to find out, Joshua 2, verse 11, she is actually, God has been working on her, regenerating her, uh, saving her. And she says to them, for the lord your god he is god in heavens above and on the earth beneath it makes an extremely positive confession of her faith if we go back to hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 that she acknowledges that there is one god who has created everything and god does an amazing work in her life in fact andrew anderson is going to be teaching on her and this episode in our teaching time in just a few moments. I'm not going to get uh, really deep into that, but just an amazing story and a special role that uh, God has for her. And, and as we look at that story, it's just amazing. That, you know, we think of sins, and this is one sin that we often think of as just an absolute horrible sin. And, of, of course, all sin is horrible, but uh, who, who is saved? Who needs saved? It is sinners, right? Only sinners can be saved. And sinners can only be saved by the grace of God. And this is, this is all of us. All of us are those sinners. And here we see a, a radical example. And as you follow Jesus through the New Testament, who is he after? It's not the well, it's the sick. It's those who are sinners. He was after the tax collectors, after the prostitute to, to deliver grace to them. And, oh, they're radically changed. They're radically saved. And we see that with her as well. Uh, carry on down to verse 32. We'll try to quickly get through these, these last parts. It's just, just a bam, bam, bam. It's just, it's just who's who, and it's just story after story after story. And honestly, as I was looking over this chapter to divide it, uh, I said, how many sermons should I put into this? I mean, it could be eight. It could be ten sermons in this one chapter. I wouldn't do that to you, though. All right, so I did divide it up into only two, but I am having to go through very quickly. But here, verse 32, you see what I mean. Uh, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of... And then he gives this list of other great men of faith and episodes of faith. uh, Time would fail me to tell of Gideon, verse 32, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David, and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. And I'm just going to go through it quickly, but if you look back at Gideon, uh, hopefully that rings a bell in your your head, perhaps from Sunday school, perhaps in your own Bible study, but Judges chapter 7, God commands Gideon, to go to battle. And Gideon says, no problem. He has a huge army. 32,000 men are ready to go to battle, and they can easily subdue this this nation they're going against. And God says, that's too many. Uh, You'll get the glory for that battle. You'll get the glory for that victory if you win. So God immediately reduces it down to 10,000 people. And Gideon's like, yeah, you know, can we even do this now or not? And, and he's really doubting that as he's looking at the numbers, which, which military commanders can easily do, you know, how many guys could my guys kill and how many could they kill? And Now it doesn't look like we could succeed. And then God says, you know what? You have too many. Let's get down to 300 men. And God gives him 300 warriors. And God says, now go take that nation. And by faith, Gideon does what? He does exactly that he moves forward god has said it's going to come true it will come true i don't know how but you guys right here this little group of men 300 is about to go take on thousands upon thousands of warriors and somehow we are going to win do they win do you remember the story yes indeed they they definitely win uh it is an amazing victory so that is again why he's in here by faith uh barack very similar story and Deborah, who is a prophetess and a judge as well for Israel, tells him to go take this nation with, with some, a few guys, and he does exactly the same thing. Samson, of course. Everybody knows Samson, the strong guy in the Bible. And uh, though Samson's life is riddled with sin, um, he is in here because there are episodes of faith. And even the very last part of his life, if you remember, it is by faith that he calls on God. And by all appearances, uh, very well, he seems to have, as chapter 11, verse 13 says, these all died in the faith. That Samson, even though his life was riddled with sin, that he does die in the faith. Remember, he asked for his hands to be placed on the columns, and he trusts in God. And by faith, he pushes the columns down, and the entire Colosseum falls in. And then it was said that on his last day, He killed more than his whole life combined of the enemy, the Philistines. But it is, again, by faith, all he trusted in God that God would do this, and indeed God did. Uh, The next one on this list, uh, Jephthah, very similar war-type story. Odds were stacked against him. He was not a military ruler but was told to go do this, and indeed he did. Odds were stacked against him, but by faith, He overcame the enemy. He followed what God said would happen, and he did it. Uh, David, of course, King David, uh, we know of his story. Uh, Samuel calls him out to be uh, the next king. He is the smallest of all of his brothers, right? But by faith, he he fulfills the role. Uh, By faith, the giant he takes down, a small boy uh, with a slingshot, goes against the, the military Uh, extreme, giant man that the entire nation of Israel is scared about. But he goes out there and says, by faith, you know, I'm going to take you down. And they laugh. All right, go for it. And sure enough, he does. So by faith, David has many episodes like this where he steps out of faith, God has promised, and he moves forward in faith. Uh, Moving on down, Samuel. Samuel. Again, a great man of God, a great prophet who has example after example after example of believing in God, trusting in God, and moving forward in that faith. Uh, We go on down here and we see also in verse 33, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Who stopped the mouths of lions? Do we remember this one? Kids remember this one, right? Who is in the lion's den? It is Daniel. That is right. Daniel in the lion's den. He is thrown in the lion's den uh, to be executed because he will not bow. He will not worship any other god. He prays to, the, to God, even though he's commanded not to. They throw him in there, and the mouths of the lions are stopped. Uh, beautiful story. Uh, also here in verse 34, quench the power of fire. Who could that be? Old Testament heroes, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and which is the last name? A band to go. I almost put this in your discipleship time tonight to have no one look it up and see who could spell all three names right. I tried it three times as I was typing and never got it right. So maybe you're smarter than I am. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So we have all these three men who are, again, uh, the king Nebuchadnezzar says, bow down, worship me, and they won't do it. The entire civilization, everyone bows down when they hear the, the instruments playing to worship this king, earthly king. But they know that that's just a dude. That's just a guy. That's just a man with a lot of gold on up there, all right? Yeah, he's king of this land, but they worship the king of the world. They worship the king of the universe, and they will not bow down. He gives them last warning, you know, bow down or you die, and they don't. So the king is so furious, he throws them into the fiery furnace. Even the men, remember the fire is so hot, the men trying to throw them in are incinerated, and they die. But then they look into the fire. You remember this beautiful story, and, and the king says, look, there, there, there's more than three. And there's the presence of another who, who looks like not a man, who looks like what, a son of man, this angelic type. Something else is in there with them. What is this? And by faith, the fire is stopped. They come out. The fire is still raging. And they go to the fire, and they call them out, and they, they come out. And now there's three. The presence of God was in there with them. They come out, and they don't even smell like smoke. And it's by faith that this is accomplished. So it's just time after time after time of men serving God, no matter what the cause, will kill you if you don't bow down, if you don't worship as we word tell you to worship, if you pray again, but they keep moving forward in faith. Nothing is stopping them. Uh, the last part portion of this one is even uh, widows, women received back their dead by resurrection. Uh, We see Elijah, Elisha, Jesus, Peter doing this as well, raising people from the dead. As we look back over this list, though, let me hurry through this. Um, We see these great men and women of God with great episodes of faith here. It is to be an example of us to press on, to not shrink back but for our faith to grow, to get stronger and stronger and trust in God and who God is. But if you know anything more about these lives, sometimes we just emphasize the highlights, kind of like we've done here in Hebrews, but did their faith mean that they had easy lives? Think about that for a moment. Did their faith mean that they had easy lives? And the answer is no. If you look back at any one of them, it was not that they had an easy life and that faith was just easy and they just moved forward and everything was in abundance. They had everything they wanted. The life on this earth for them was actually very hard. And you look at their, the different ones here and, and they struggled. They struggled with sin. They struggled with temptation. They, they didn't have things like we say that people need in order to be happy and complete here. Uh, they struggled. The next question is, does your faith mean that you will have an easy life? here? And the answer, if you look back at these men and women who are in the chapter on heroes of faith, if you look at their lives in detail, and if anything can be drawn from them, the answer is also no. Uh, It does not mean that your life here on this earth is going to be absolutely the way you want it, but neither neither was it for them. It was this future hope, this faith, and what is to come that drove them to live as they did. And it is the exact same hope that should drive us to live as they did by faith moving forward. Uh, we change here in this last portion of chapter 11. There is a drastic change. It kind of goes from the clapping, applauding, and the who's who of faith and these awesome moments and the Charleston Heston moments that we just read about it's just God moving supernaturally and mouths of lions being being held shut this man being saved Daniel the the roaring flame so hot but three men are in it God's presence is there in there with it they come out safe all of a sudden a massive change look at this also by faith though other people endured and went through Some things that were not very easy. Some things that were not very glorious. What is this in verse 35? uh, Some were tortured. Not very glorious. Refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. This is quite different, right? They were stoned, they were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, and of of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. What is going on? You have the first part of the chapter, which is just awesome. Everyone's yeah, this is great. By faith, all this was done. But then there's this radical shift. Also, by faith... People moved forward in torture and in torment and in stoning and imprisonment and losing all of their possessions and having absolutely nothing, wandering around on this earth with nothing to their name, hiding in caves with nothing. By faith, they were able to do this. Why? The same reason as the ones earlier mentioned, because their hope was in God. Their hope was in the salvation that is to come. Verse 39, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had promised something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. What in the world is, is he talking about here? What he is talking about, and go and throw that one up there, Vincent, First uh, Peter chapter 10, or chapter, I believe it is one ten through 12. What he is talking about here is, is even though they're commended for their faith, they did not receive the ultimate promise. But verse 40, it said, since God had promised something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. What he's talking about here is they were looking forward to the Messiah. And again, now the Messiah has come. And we're looking back at the Messiah. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 10 through 11 says this, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, Searched and inquired carefully. Uh, verse 11. Inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. We verse 12 as well. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you. What? Do you understand what he's saying here? The, the ones that were, were prophesying, the one that God was revealing truth to, it was like a snowball, and God was revealing more and more and more, and they couldn't quite understand it all. They didn't have the whole picture. They had faith in this one, this anointed one from God, but they didn't have all the details. But now all the details have been fully revealed. He says, and now we know, verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, speaking to the ones he's writing here, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels look forward to look into. So what is all that? This is it. He is saying they by faith were able to do all that. That's great hats off. We, this is a great moment. Great moments in human history, right? They were able to suffer and endure and have nothing to their name and walk around in sheepskins and lambskins or goatskins, whatever. Uh, they, they were stoned. They, they, were, they were sawn in two. They were by faith. But now you, he is saying, you have everything. The, the promise has come. The Messiah has come. All the details are there now. You have seen Jesus. You know of the miracles. You know of His death. You know of His resurrection. You know of His ascension. And He's calling up them. He's calling us to what? Even greater faith. Oftentimes we look back and think, oh, if I was only at the Red Sea, and I could have only seen you know, the water part, then, then I would have some serious faith. But if you know about the people of Israel, did they have faith after that? No, they, they, they really didn't. Uh, in fact, no one makes it into the promised land right, of that generation because of their lack of faith. So parting a Red Sea is not enough. What we need is is the Messiah. And what he is saying here, the Messiah has come. And that's where our faith is. True saving faith only is as good as the object you put your faith in. And what he is saying here, the object of our faith is Jesus Christ, who has fulfilled the promises of God and We'll fulfill the ultimate promise of God. We took the Lord's Supper a couple of weeks ago and we saw that, that Jesus fulfilled, remember, the, the Passover. He fulfilled it fully. He says, do this in remembrance of me. So we do this to remember him. Remember the, the lamb that pointed to the ultimate lamb. But then he also says what? Look to the future because eventually I will take of this again with you. So we look forward to and by faith we live this life Looking back at the Messiah, but also looking ahead that we will be with him forever in heaven in the full presence of God. And that should cause us to be like them. By faith, we move forward. By faith, we go through each day. By faith, no, we might not have everything we want here. You might be going through temptations, struggles, all kinds of things, all kinds of, but by faith, you keep on moving. By faith, you keep pressing forward. And by faith, the promises of God absolutely come true. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have given us such great examples to look at. That by faith, as you spoke, uh, they moved forward and they saw your promises come to be true. And that we should do the same. You have promised, Lord, the, the inheritance that is to come the great reward that is to come. And now it should be even easier for us because we know you have come. The Messiah has come and fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies and types and shadows and that we can trust fully that everything you say, God absolutely does come true. So may we be like them and just pass through this world knowing that we are not citizens here, that this is not the end, this is not everything, but this is just a blip, just a very short stint And then it's eternity in your presence forever. And that we will be with these. We will be with Samson. We will be with Elijah. We will be with Elisha. We will be with Moses. We'll be with Abraham. We'll be with Noah. We'll be with Sarah. We'll be with Rahab. Because we are all saved by the exact same method. And that is faith in the Messiah. Faith in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.